Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. We're cooking the gas. We've got coffee, we've got tea. Well, you've got a vat of tea. That's a big cup of tea. And What's the word goddess? A desk cup. <laughs> cup, so <laughs> we're expecting mm. big things from you. It's great. <laughs> Gareth Williams, welcome to The Bra and the Brave. Thanks for having me, Lisa. You're more, most welcome. Thank you for reaching out and uh, making this happen. Cause... I love the show. I mean, I've been listening in for ages and, and, and I've known quite a few people who've come on. And, so you always get pulled in by the people you know, first of all, and then you're listening to back catalogues <laughs> and finding new people and new pl- and new things to go and track down. So it's been great. I loved listening to you talk to your sister just last week. That's kind. Thank She's you. She's a great singer. She is. She is. And it's just really nice to see her do music again and enjoy it because... We, I always think of her having done music forever, but there was that period of time where she just didn't do any. So yeah, that really drew that drew me in. Like mm. that, that's a story, and you know, I, I suppose like that's a bit. There's there, there's that those wilderness years. Yeah. Do count for something though. You come back with like, she's come back with something from the wilderness. You know that that, that I think is in the songs, and it's quite it's quite cool. Yeah, and what for you in terms of your music journey thus far? Have there been those wilderness years or has music just always been part of your DNA? Yeah, it's been, I didn't grow up in a, very, in a musical house or anything. Okay. Like I was the, I was the really the only one who had that sort of interest and, and there wasn't a lot of music in the house, but I was always drawn to it. I, I had piano lessons as a kid, you know, and, and I would always play, but never practice. You know what I mean? I was always interested in making up wee tunes. And and then I would be in the in the choir at school, and I I you know I played the flute like every every boy and girl in Northern Ireland at okay. one point played the flute because of James Galway, right? He was just I mean I was like, oh well, yeah, I want to be like that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played the flute, played in a few orchestras, the youth orchestras, and things like that. And I don't know, like, it everything seems predetermined when you look backwards, doesn't it, as to where <laughs> yeah, you've arrived true. to? But it certainly wasn't, and I've always been quite switherer with with directions to go so inside the umbrella of music I, mm. I, I could have went you know i have done work that has went in really different directions yeah 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 so i'm never quite sure where i could go next you know and growing up and being a teenager like what kind of music were you drawn to listening to um oh, i would cringe a little bit now but th- <laughs> that music is really stitched stitched into me i think i grew up now the records that would have been in the house when i was a kid growing up were things like the carpenters and there was a load. Of, there was country music in the house, and I love country music. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think that stuff's great. But teenager, then, all I wanted to be was Bono. Like you know, what I, mean? I just sorry, it's terrible. I, I loved you too. I loved that stuff. Uh, I was in a little band. We just sat and worked at all those songs and played them together. You know, and then some Irish folk music and, mm-hmm. and, and sort of the folk singers like, like Christy Moore and Luke LeBroom, people like that and, and Mary Black even. I just loved that stuff growing mm-hmm. up. But then when I went off to university, there was a sort of, there was a, a big horizon shift and, okay. and, and I sort of was like, oh, look at all this other music that yeah. exists over here. But it really was a, a novelty and a, and a shock to me to find it. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was sheltered. Went off to Queen's University and I studied music. Got you. Mm. So by that point, you were dead set on musics for me i think so like when you do you do music as a kid and everyone says oh that's your thing 
Yeah. And it, and the, it does get reflected back at you. So so you strive to do it more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm being, you know, I'm, I'm just overthinking it and think, oh, you might, but who knows whether it was a conscious thing. But you certainly move towards that kind of feedback. And that yeah. kind of, you love something when you're we that defines you, doesn't you? It's like, it's I'm, so I'm the music one, you know? Like, <laughs> that's it. And that's my thing. And, and you find your people and, and you're surrounded by the other music yeah. ones. It's and so it, it becomes self-fulfilling a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, yeah. But, and it also gives you this inner thing, this exactly. this this identity. And, and the, the, it does permeate in. And it, it I, uh, creativity has always been something I... I a, a big part of me yeah. If you're who saying, I am. you've always been writing wee tunes and making up wee tunes, telling wee lies, making up stories, you know, <laughs> all, the all the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So going to uni to study music Aye. was there a particular pathway that you were hoping to go down in terms of your musical career? Like, were you seeing yourself as a performer, seeing yourself as a composer, seeing yourself all of the above? Um. Hard to know. I think I was probably sort of identifying a little bit as a as a little singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. Okay. That I had a guitar and I sang songs. Yeah. Back then, but that sort of dissolved a little bit over that time when I when I discovered other kinds of music you could write and yeah, other genres of music, and I got pulled into something else. I think for for quite a while, and that singer songwriter part of me became something that happened at nighttime. You know, like something. Okay else something alternative yeah. to the, the 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 serious music i was encountered do you know what i mean yeah. i, I use that yeah. word in, yeah it very much you were gigging and doing your thing i was, I was gigging and doing my thing mm-hmm. and then there was this study of music during the day and that was somewhat yeah. different do you know what yeah, i mean and yeah. i think the last 20 something years have been about trying to reunite those two Interesting. those two mistaken pathways because they, they were never separate for me they were and i, I had to yeah. make a point of bringing them back together do you know yeah it's funny that because um yeah i think there's an element of that in the dance worlds you know if people are studying and they're going down that certain path that sometimes other realms are deemed like not not as important yes whereas i would argue that you know if you're going to go out in the bank big bad, big bad world and do this then as much experience and different 100%. spaces and different people is a good thing you know like you know you're going to have to go out and make a living out of this or, or if that's what you want so surely getting as much experience and the exposure is Hundred percent. It's a good thing. We've all. I think for back that this is nineties when I went to university, and I mm-hmm. still think there was a, a strong sense of hierarchy. Okay. In the artist, as to serious music down to light music down to other, you know, and, and I and I, 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 that's such a, a nonsense now looking back, and, and we can see it for the nonsense it is now, yeah, but it yeah, was yeah. it was harder to shift of that mindset then. I, I think that's the same across a lot of disciplines, art, literature, um, and, and dance, as you say. So that's been. Such a comfort now to go. Oh, yeah, I think, as like, you say, what do you want to do next? Uh-huh. Do that thing. It's yeah. just, it's all notes on a page. It's all yeah. stories. It's all, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's all the same thing. It's exactly. all of the same yeah. milk. And um, did you enjoy your studies? Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've, I've always loved studying. I studied a long time. Right. Okay. Actually, Lisa, because after that, I went, I came to Glasgow mm-hmm. at the. The academy as it was then and, and did a master's in composition and i was sort of moving you know it, it was composition then had, mm-hmm. had been the, the activity i'd started to enjoy most at university mm-hmm. i still would not have, when i turned up from a master's there were other people on the course who already called themselves composers right and, 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 I, and I was like wow with, with a capital c and um, whereas i just felt like i was i had come to study this thing that i would really okay. enjoyed yeah, yeah, yeah and still didn't think it was a, a possible 
career. Mm. So the university you went to in Ireland was it was it in Armagh? Was it in Belfast? Yeah. In Belfast, right? Yeah. Okay, understand. So the move to Glasgow was that a big deal for you? Massive, massive, yeah. absolutely, and, and not and sort of on unex- something of a whim. But I came to I think there was enough familiarity in Glasgow mm-hmm. that I was able to make that jump. Okay. Uh, between Belfast yes. and Glasgow, they're so similar. The traffic between them, the ship in town thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it, it wasn't that, but I, I felt like I was a million miles from home. Mm, a bit. But then again, I moved to Edinburgh about eight years ago, and I felt that that was That's a not, that was maybe that was an even bigger uh, change, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to shift things up, I guess. Ah, I totally. Uh, it's coming from somebody who's a total creature of habit and lived in the same place forever. <laughs> I'm always impressed by people who who physically move themselves to go after the thing that they want to do because I think that's a big deal. In in hindsight, it, it feels like, yeah, yeah, you know what you're doing, but you don't, do you? You're no. just sort of floating and following your nose occasionally. Still, no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so you went to the conservatoire. Were you still gigging and stuff? Or did you just keep your No, I had, I, once I moved to Glasgow, I stopped all that. I, I had been playing piano in piano bars in Belfast up to that point, and I had been having a good old time with that kind of thing. But once again, that was that was nighttime. That was not serious. That was um. So I was I, I would be like singing and playing piano in a in a bar called Larry's Piano Bar, and it was mostly it was this is centre Belfast in the nineties, and this was I honestly eighty percent hen parties would come to this place for a raucous right. night, Can and I, I would just and I when I was I would have been like eighteen nineteen, and I looked about fourteen, you know what I mean? I just I just looked like a little boy back then. <laughs> And I was up on stage playing, and it was just oh the sights I saw back oh, then. <laughs> and I would play, and there, there would like um there would be some drag a drag artist who would come in, and I would play piano for them while they sang Big Spender, and then there'd be an Elvis impersonator would come in, and we'd we'd rattle through a few Elvis numbers, and then you know until two a.m. I'd just be playing the piano, mm-hmm. whatever people shouted up. But I loved it, you know what I mean? And, and I I got chops from that. I learned how to like work a room and how to. Build a night and how to give people a good time. Totally, because people like and how to have you know, a good time and all that. They'll tell you exactly. Oh god, yeah. What they want and what they don't want. Oh, you can lose the room, like you really can. <laughs> totally. So, so I was doing that all, the, and then I came to. But when I was in Glasgow, I came to do my masters, and that was very serious. That was I was writing some serious classical contemporary music. With a view to what? Don't know. Don't know. Was it just in, intrigued? I just still didn't know that there could be there was a career path in this stuff, but I had, mm-hmm. was just following my nose and just mm-hmm. following this inclination. I think much to the despair of my parents, who were who were like, "What's he doing? What's he doing? And why does his mu- why does his music started sounding so awful?" You know, <laughs> you know. I mean, you got to break it to get it better. I think so. So so it, I was heading down a rather niche path, but also my mind was exploding with the stuff I was interacting with for the first time and the music I was hearing. And the ideas and the books I was reading, mm. it was astonishing. That was that was a big year for me in terms of like opening up my mind yeah. to to ideas and to possibilities. The next year, I quickly closed my mind again, went back to Belfast, and I studied to be a teacher for a year. Did you know? I did indeed, and I and then I was a teacher for a year. Wow! Right. I know that was fun. So that was. Is that because somebody said? You'd be a good teacher. Have you? Well, you'd be a good teacher. Well, you better have something, Gareth. Oh, you know, you'd better have something yeah, up your sleeve. Now, this is that's my mum and dad. You got my mum's yeah. voice, especially saying you need. You know, you need to have a backup plan. Does that make sense? Have you? Do you have a backup plan? Uh, I have an English degree. Aye. But I'm have you ever had? Have you ever used that backup plan? No, <laughs> not at all. I, that's it. I, I'm in schools all the time, but I'm Aye. like, and folk are like, yeah, you'd be good. I'm like, no, these you would be those. Like, they wear capes. 
that, that's what that's the bit I, I couldn't hack that like, win and be yeah, like, yeah. do fun stuff and then leave and similarly over the last 20 years I have popped back into schools and I've done workshops and mm-hmm. I've done songwriting projects but I'm not match fit anymore in terms of like the crowd the crowd management of that stuff they could they could just eat your life but and it's uh, God, see coming out of Covid I think it's tricky in some spheres oh. of like kids have been through a, a lot just like adults do you know what I mean and I get back it. schooling in that regime again and yeah it's, it's tricky Aye. out there kind of thing so um, I mean the arts are definitely needed and very important to be in schools I mean yeah. access to the arts for young people is so important I think because like it's just developing all life skills you know and coping skills and yeah and you know the expressive arts like you know explaining who you are through music wasn't well, so like, when I was a student, and then when I was a music teacher, like the the the, the young people who gravitate towards the music department, and mm-hmm. and they're in there over lunch, and they're, and they're talking about music, they're listening to music, or they're playing something. I I, I love that space. Yeah, it's such I, a haven for a lot it? of people. It was for me yeah. at school. Yeah, like yeah. dance. Me too. Was a thing I did outside of school. Nobody knew that I okay. danced, but I was in the music department. Right. I was a singer, played guitar. Um, so yeah, and the music department was my haven because I wasn't one of the popular kids. Do you know what I mean? So you're always like, I mean, certainly didn't become very popular after in first year. The teacher, <laughs> Miss Mackay, I'll never live it down, made me wear one of those like proper choir boy outfits with the big like tone thing and like wow. a and, sa- and with, with, with like a rough almost, yeah, and all that, all the all the jazz, and he sang. I think it was P.E. And oh, did a tea hole from a street cred, I'll tell you that. No, that's <laughs> going to sink you. That is absolutely going to sink you. Is there any footage of that still around? No, thank. Aye. Thank goodness, no. <laughs> but it was horrendous. But yeah, but I, the, the music department was that haven, and I totally Aye. get what you're saying. Like it is. And so, what swayed you after I, a year not to continue with teaching? I enjoyed it. I, I felt like that was a, like. Maybe that was the little bit of wilderness time we talked about mm-hmm. at the start because mm-hmm. I think it was really good. Okay. I, I had sort of unthinking, not unthinkingly, but I'd, I had done a master's in composition and, and, and I was like, I'd been moving on unthinkingly through this time. And it was it was nice, but it was like one thing led to another and there was a sort of natural progression there. But I did have to stop at some point and go, right, what do you actually, what do you want to do? Yeah. And so I... I went back and I did this teaching qualification, teaching year, and it was really hard. Of all the years I spent at university, it was far and away the most challenging thing I've ever done. Yeah. I really didn't enjoy it. And then I had a year of teaching, and I'm starting to enjoy that. Was that in Glasgow then? That was, I was back oh, at home. Oh, back, back at home. Back, but then, yes, so I came back. No, I returned to Glasgow then the following year okay. to start a PhD in composition. Jesus. I know, I know. Absolutely, you look. Zero learning curve here, despite the number of qualifications. So I came back. But with that, I was able to come back and I was able to work two days a week as a music teacher in Glasgow. Got you. At various schools. And not just a music teacher. I was a, I was a sub. Oof. I was a supply teacher. A shift. Wow. I, uh, yeah. I'm still working through some trauma from those years. But I loved it. You know what I mean? And, and that was like, so I was able to... Teach a couple, teach a little bit, do this PhD where I was starting to write operas and musical theatre works and things like that. And at night time, I started to play piano again, and I was back out in the bars and little piano bars of Glasgow. Nice one. And that was a fab time. That's so we're we're in the noughties at this stage, and that's when I was like having just luring you back in a really fun time. Yeah, I look back so fond. Like that was yeah. One of the mm. really fun times of my life. No responsibilities. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't grow up. It's a trap. <laughs> so I say young people all the time. I'm like, they're always desperate to grow up. I'm like, why? Oh, just pay bills and sort problems. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> um, 
what have been your kind of turning points or, or really like kind of standout moments in terms of your musical career thus far? Um, once the PhD was done and once you decided that this was the path and teaching was maybe yeah, the, for the, you. I think as the PhD ended mm. and the teaching ended too, because I, I started to teach a little bit in the conservatoire. Oh, nice. So I, I did I did a day and a half, two days a week teaching in there nice. and then started to work as a freelance composer. And those first few commissions, when when you're getting paid properly for the first time you do it's it's a, it's a magic feeling isn't it it's terrifying and, and oh, yeah. you, you know you're, you're so terrified you're gonna like i don't know for me i was terrified i would waste public money i was terrified you know that i, that I still didn't know what i was doing come, do, come tap you in the shoulder and and say, leave. imposter <laughs> syndrome is is yes. is a wonderful thing but like you have to think i also think like we can't all have imposter syndrome. Some of us must be actual imposters, right? I mean, it goes without saying statistically. So I'm like, am I a re- an imposter who thinks they have imposter syndrome? So I really, you know, I went really dark. Um, but I, I love those early pieces I was making where I was starting to go. Because at that stage, work does lead to work. You, you do a good thing. And somebody sees it and they're like, oh, wow, come and try something. And that's around about that time. One of the operas I'd written just at the end of my PhD, um, the head of Scottish Opera was in and saw that and said, come and, come and work and write something for us. Wow. And that was a lovely jump over That's into that amazing. company where, you know, where I've done work then ever since, you know, yeah. it's been a really wonderful relationship. And and why opera specifically? Like, why had you... Don't know. And I, I, once again, it, it looks like it was always going to be that way <laughs> from hindsight, but it wasn't. There's a, there's an arbitrary quality to this. I, had, I wrote a piece, let's go back to 2008. So a big part of my PhD, there was a piece where I was on stage playing piano and singing. Mm-hmm. There was a, there was a classical band on there too. There was some projections of some old cine films. So it was an experimentally music mm-hmm. theater. And I was in the middle of that piece. And afterwards I was like, I, you know, I, I liked the narrative. I liked the storytelling. And someone said, well, what about you try something that, you know, you write for another singer, you write a piece of musical theater or a piece of opera. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll give that a go. Yeah. And let's let's imagine I'm in, I'm in the conservatory at this stage, and there's the music theatre department and there's the opera department. And I could have walked in the door of the music theatre department and said, "Could you give me a singer uh-huh. to sing my next piece?" But I didn't. I walked through the door of the uh-huh. opera department. No, it's like sliding doors. It is sliding Isn't doors. It? Um, that's but that's I'm really projecting that back into the past, you know. It, yeah, yeah. Maybe you look back and you have to look back and go, hmm, there's something was at play in the universe. Something. I and I went in and, and the opera department gave me a tenor and a couple and a little chorus of a couple more singers and I put together an opera there. And why is it an? I don't know whether it, the voice, the destination, the the, the person who sings your song, I think they decide what genre it is sometimes. Right. Now, I don't know if this makes sense to you. Okay. Um, I write everything at my piano. Uh-huh. And along the assembly line, I even sing that myself. Yes. And then it could go off to an opera singer. Mm-hmm. And it'll sound like opera. Or it could yeah. go off to a West End singer. And so a lot of like that, no, obviously I lean into oh, the, once that the genre. In the, yeah. But yeah, like, yeah. That, so it became an opera because there was an opera singer in the heart of it. And from there on in, you know, that led to some more opera commissions. And then I, I've written 10 operas over the last sort of 10, 12 years, you know. 10 operas, that's I know. Phenomenal. Is it? Uh, yeah, like hi. A, a mad compulsive thing to do, isn't it? 10 operas. I mean, opera was something that's quite alien to me, actually, until recently. And we were talking about Monica McGee, like Monica was on the podcast. A beautiful singer, ago. really beautiful singer, yeah. Listen, Proper high, like high notes that you're like, oh, like circus acts. It's incredible, like, yeah. She's just, I mean, she puts these videos on sometimes, like she's like, you know, rehearsing for something, and I'm like, 
weird. I mean, yeah, yeah. to even do that. Basically. I know. Like, it's just like a, you know, it's another world bit. Um, and I went to see her in a Scottish opera production because I'd never been to the opera before. Uh-huh. And it was nice because it was one of these ha- opera highlights. So oh, I love like, that too. I've written yeah. for that too a few times. Yeah. Smashing we show. That is a really warm. Loved it. Show, isn't it? And it goes everywhere. To introduce people to opera, yeah. like including me. Generally, yeah. it's just not something I've never worked in opera. Like it's not something that I've for whatever. I mean, and I'm not not somebody who goes to the same kind of things all the time. I really try and push myself, but for uh-huh. whatever reason, I hadn't been to see any opera. I was like, and I think we we're seeing that as well. Once you know somebody that's in that world or whatever it's nice to make that connection best thing about our job isn't it you yes. meet you meet these people and through them you you find this work and oh, you find that beautiful. you would never have found without them so lucky yeah. so lucky it's like, just learning and you're, you're learning all the time right. and do you know what i mean it keeps the juices flowing but um yeah 10 operas that's like i mean that's a body of work in itself but i'm sure there's been a but million other things around that i, <laughs> I did it like i i didn't like same as you, I came to Opera Laid as well. Uh-huh. I, was, I was looking to tell a story, and and as I said, you know, the, an opera singer came my way to tell mm-hmm. it. Um, I have really enjoyed many, many operas. I, like I've seen quite a few now, and I love yeah. them. But I, I don't. It's not out of love for the genre that that I've made these no. operas. In fact, like I make operas to try and change opera. Interesting. If that's, if I mean, you know, who does he think he is changing opera? But I think that's. I think artists do come at things going. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't like the way this is. I want to change the way it is. Mm-hmm. There's a respect in it, but like it's essentially the thing I want to say hasn't been said yet. Now I'm going to try and do that. So I problematize my operas in such a way that that, that there's something, there's a sort of radical introduction of someone else. So I've written an opera with, co-composed with Chris Stout, the Shetland fiddler. Mm-hmm. So we've written an opera together and that was in Shetlandic dialect. It was called Herda. Uh, I wrote an opera with Admiral Fallow. You know the indie pop band do you know admiral fallow oh fabulous oh, crackers right. real crackers and and we wrote an opera together that toured whiskey distilleries a couple of years ago i yes. wrote an opera in sloan's you know the oldest bar in glasgow uh, yes went in there talked to the patrons talked to the staff put some stories together and told the story of that pub oh my god that's in, a, in, a, in a little promenade opera and I, johnny mcknight and i have written an opera that was at the top of a lighthouse um, <laughs> that's well, so cool so I, I love taking, there being something taking the accented species where it doesn't normally live it's the best, like the best thing ever like so important yeah because I think I've had this conversation a million times on this podcast like the amount of people that still feel like the theatre is not for them like that they that's not a space that they can I go know. and visit and I think the more that we bring the arts into other spaces yeah. and, and because it is it's for everybody do you know what I mean we're not necessarily, this set isn't necessarily a country of opera houses. No. It's a country of civic spaces yes. and and beautiful landscape mm-hmm. and, and other kinds of venues. And yeah. and so that's where our, our arts should yeah. go, isn't it? It makes so much more sense. The people kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because, again, it's, it's that storytelling and if people can see themselves in stories like you were saying, like taking the stories of the people in that, you know, that Sloan's pub, yeah. making us, then if people can see themselves reflected back, then yeah. it makes... There's, there's that kind of like ownership isn't there like i'm part of this and you, oh i actually do belong here any st- and any building you walk into you throw a stone you're going to hit a good story any yeah. building that's been there for any length of time yeah. just starts to get and I, mm-hmm. I think that's a very scottish thing an irish thing as well but like there's a love of storytelling and like a, a love of remembering the stories yeah. that are attached to a place like and that. i think like certainly here in scotland like people do love talking about themselves you know when you get somebody started and you know oh you love the yarn yeah yeah totally totally but um so is there like a is there a format is there a a way of doing an opera that you're 
fighting against or sticking to or what how I mean basically I'm just going how do you write an opera <laughs> like, oh it's isn't it's like how do you eat an elephant like one, one spoon at a time and they take they take ages it's like I've approached them in different ways but I suppose the first few I would just laboriously work for years and a couple of years till, mm-hmm. till you had it ready and, and you have a libretto like the script would come in from somebody or I did a couple myself but for the most part I was working with writers mm-hmm. who would send in scripts now like a screenplay would be if you get a script for a screenplay that's about a page a minute okay but an opera would be like maybe four minutes per page that's how much music you have to write for each page of the script so it's slow like it it, it moves at a different pace so there's there's a, just a laboriousness to that where you are almost like stop frame animation speed we are just in a tiny bar at a time but i start that's when i realized i love a writer i, lo- I love somebody else's craft coming onto my piano and i respond to words yeah. more than anything else and mm-hmm. I, I respond to written words and i it's my job to find the song on the page and get and get it out you know oh, yeah okay so I, th- I think that's how it's done over the years then as you start to bring in other people from outside the genre like fiddlers and 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 bands and collaborative bands their process just melts into and, and things can actually speed up a little bit and, and feel a bit more loose or something of course so initially it's on the piano but then you're starting to pull in other people and just the i've always been a piano guy yeah i think yeah. that's that's like i've got you know I've, you know that you end up with lots of dance friends i've got lots of composer friends and we're all slightly different some of them you know have no interest in words whatsoever and a few of them like you know will be string players guitar players i'm a piano player and it does it just there's a slight difference in the way we all approach sound but for me i'm a numbers guy like i love to sit down of the kind of i've written obviously lots of music that's just instrumental okay yeah but i I find that really i I, increasingly that's getting tougher and tougher for me to do because it's it just sometimes i think i think it sounds like you know the singer didn't turn up or something That's funny. And you, you mentioned like screenplay. Like, so have you done stuff? I theater. I, I I've done theater work and opera work and stage work, and I haven't. I've never done any um mm. movies or anything like I mean, that or, or TV. I found the time. <laughs> no, I've been busy. I'd love to though. I mean, it, it does feel like a cool thing. But once, uh-huh. that's another whole range of you know of skills and toolkits and things that mm. you have to build as well. It's everything is so. Yeah, you have to head off in, in a certain direction for quite a bit of time before that lands. You know, and it must be. I think like from your perspective like when you get to that point where you have to hand over it's like handing over your baby in it like 100 I, I can't imagine how difficult that is to be like and that's it done and now it goes on and it breathes you know, has another I used life. to love the preciousness of that work this score is perfect it's precious it's for you don't change a note and now i'm like uh can you make that better um can, <laughs> can you know can, let's just do that bar again and now i'm much more like it there's a messiness to it that stays right up until the first night there's a i think composers have a different say there's, let's go like talk let's back to hierarchy again but there mm-hmm. in whatever art form you're in allows you know then you have the, the most say in when something's finished and if you're an opera you, you sort of have the most say because you've decided how long this thing actually lasts yes got you okay. and you've stitched yeah, you've stitched yeah. everybody's lines are like mm-hmm. stitched completely even more than choreography they're totally stitched and yeah. how loud they have to sing how quiet they have to sing everything mm-hmm. is in the music so there's a sort of feeling that the director then has to make that come to life got you um where would the, where do you think where would the composer be in dance for example oh wow who's at the top of the dance tree the choreographer god see most of my stuff that i've worked on is the you know everything's on the page already like mm-hmm. it's all predetermined so you can't then 
So you... And it's all bound to rights, and so you can't just be like <laughs> yeah. changing stuff willy nilly. Like, yeah, we're going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> no, man, you must you must walk that line all the time uh, because that copyright stuff and, and those sort of legal it's really murky isn't that's it that's what i'm just like somebody else yeah, am i in trouble to do. yeah I, yeah i just always go is everything all right am i doing the right thing <laughs> great brilliant uh, what if i did that is that all right <laughs> um, i mean certainly like any sound designers that i've worked with right. have just been awesome and i'm very much i think i'm very much like you you make something and I'll whether you're you're in isolation or whether you're watching me just do like in a, I don't know, even like an exercise or just starting to move. Yeah. And then you work your magic. It's the same with lighting designers. Anytime I've taken stuff to like, I take young people to do go dance at the Theatre Royal. Aye. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you how you like this because I don't have a scooby. Like, just watch it and work your magic. <laughs> and they always do an amazing job. Like, yeah. even this week, um, that when I was working on Oklahoma before it got shut down, that's another story. <laughs> Bless him, the director was like, so you'll like the dream ballet right so we'll have a conversation about it it was like as if i was like out for dinner and he was ordering for me it was like so would you like red here or would you like blue and I'm just, bringing the parameters in i'm like i don't know Do yeah you tell me i'll always see it so yeah i don't think um, i think i very much go with the mindset of like these people know what they're doing and i'll i'll, I'll be beautiful and i'll just do my I thing i love that isn't it the best though and they come back and they always surprise you and, and it's always astonishing yeah, totally yeah totally. I, and i mean we started working in theater i was quite late going into theater theater work was when i i worked at National Theatre Scotland for three years making something the 306 trilogy with, with Ollie Emanuel. Mm-hmm. And we worked that. And that's when I was starting to see that you are, you know, you're more in servitude to a, to a, to a whole, yes. a lots of people at the table and lots of voices. And I thought, but it's, I find that really exciting, as you say, because there would be a lighting designer presenting what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I also, do you love the day when you go in to see the miniature? Um, so cool! How the good best is that? day in theatre. First time that Absolute I the best drawing, day. and I was like, yeah, yeah. Yes, like, can I have that? Because <laughs> uh, so what they do, you know, they make even little tiny chairs and little tiny people on your stage, and, and, and from there on in, it's like, right, I am a wee part of this. It, you know, like make sure I do my bit right to make this thing come alive. It's so, it's, it's the so best bit. It's so exciting. That's when the magic of theatre starts that day for me. It's so cool. You're right. I totally forgot about that. Actually, it was the, the first time I had to use it. The drawing, I was just like. What? What's this? Sorcery? <laughs> miniature mods? There's always a slightly depressing bit in in the, in those those miniature showings where they're showing the stage, and I usually put my hand up and I'm like, "Where's the uh, musicians going to be?" And they're like, "Oh, they're around here, mate. Sure." And there's this wee tiny upright piano uh, <laughs> out in the car park. Listen, see with this uh, Oklahoma had recently like 21 piece orchestra. We're like, "That's going to be beautiful," but where are they going to go? Aye, not <laughs> true. No, there's no pet in that theatre. And you, you always feel as if they're like shoehorned into the corner. And you're always, can you guys play a wee bit quieter? <laughs> I know. I always really feel for the musicians. I know. It's a sin. Like, what would we do if you weren't here? That must have been the, the first day they dug a pet, must have finally been like, right, but these guys are too loud. Let's, let's just dig down. Put them in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just, I think your, your world is just fascinating to me, like how you start with nothing and then you create this whole you create this whole feeling and i mean so basically i was listening to your album to this morning i mean i'm oh. listening to it constantly oh, but cool. uh, just in preparation for you getting here and i'm like i mean the premise behind it so songs from the last page like mm-hmm. i loved it like the minute oh, you sent me that message i'm so relieved 
Because you were working on Treasure Island. Yeah, so that was so funny when you messaged me because I, I, I meant to explain myself. So we did a panto uh-huh. yeah, version yeah. for young people about Treasure Island. So I didn't write it. The wonderful humans at Showworks Theatre wrote it. And oh, I know Showworks. Great. Yeah. Amazing. And the laughs galore. It was, it was genius, pure genius. So it was very loosely based. I mean, the on the book. Uh, it's, it's comfortably out of copyright. We're allowed to do that now. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just had all these different characters. So the kids uh, thought they were going on their holidays, um, but they, they ended up on a pirate ship. And, I love it. They, and then they didn't go to... Treasure Island, they went to Leisure Island, and there was wrecks, and they did like I do, and it was mad, it was sure. mental. So then it was so funny when you messaged me and said, I see you've just done Treasure you've Island, and I was like, right. well, which is a panto version. Likewise, with my own adaptation, it, it goes off in its own direction very quickly too, you know, And um, but you, you said I don't start with nothing, I start with words, and I, and, and I respond to, I had those books open up my piano, and I would try and find a way of talking them, and then singing them. And then so mapping them out. No, like I mean, it's, it's a weird hobby. To be, <laughs> it's one thing to be, you know, to be moved, inspired by a book, something you've read, but then to bring it to life in the way that you've done. So the so the premise is that. Yeah, you do the premise. You tell me the premise because it's always better when other people do it. So you have taken books that I assume you've read. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I mean, you might have just opened to the last page and went. Well, we'll come to that in a second. Mm. Yeah. And you have composed a beautiful album of work inspired by these last pages of books and they're all written by scots they're all scots uh, it's scottish fiction it's scottish literature yes. yeah yeah so yeah now this i how many people that you talk to like is at some point in every interview is there always like a beat about covid and lockdown or something was that was okay. that a, a seminal time for everybody it, up. it does come up now yeah unfortunately like but well it's fortunately, fortunately and unfortunately because there's been lots of good stuff that's come from it but it was very traumatic, wasn't it? Like, and it's so it's 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 emblazoned in my memory as a time more than it more than I, I mentioned the noughties earlier. But those years have all blended into a muddle, same as like you know the teens. Ah, what happened? But, but I can remember that yes. that twenty twenty something in my mind. That is that's timestamp. Horrendous. But I had been working on shows, but they were all cancelled, mm-hmm. obviously, and and there were no scripts coming in through my letterbox then you know my email letterbox yeah, and, yeah. and all the rest so i started just taking a book off my bookshelf mm-hmm. and would turn well be to begin with i'd just be looking for nice lines that i might sing and then eventually i, I brought the frame and the focus down to the last page and, and i would set myself the challenge of like starting at some point in the last page and just going to the last full stop Got you. Okay. just trying to catch it and when i was this is funny because I've talked about this project a lot and I always try to talk about it slightly different every mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you just you just start hitting it. Like I'm saying the same thing. It's probably a PR person's nightmare, isn't it? It's like, what, what is he saying now? That's not what he said last what week. Last week. <laughs> exactly. So I'm terrible. But like, so I would I started off by saying that the idea is to take the end of something and make a new beginning. Yeah. And now there is a regeneration theme in it, but actually it's more, I was, I'm trying to make a parallel ending. It's a, another way for this moment to end and and it just takes a little bit longer so it is we're just trying to freeze a moment and i didn't know that's what i was doing until i started singing it in front of people and when you do when you do a night of these songs and you do 10 in a row Mm -hmm. there's a sense of real wallowing you know like real melancholy that just starts to settle because we're it's elegiac We're, we're just staying at the end of this story with these characters for a moment and then we move to another ending 
and so forth. And and even when some of them are quite uplifting, it's still a feeling like that that starts to lace through this. And I realized that oh, it was a lovely thing. Actually, mm. with all these things, you're talking about what's in the books, but you, there are other things getting talked about too. Of course, yeah. of course. And at what at what point did you realize that you were onto something, and this was that there was a project here that you were going to see know. to the end? I mean, because I guess at first you're just footing the boot and it was footering. just giving yourself something to do. Like people are baking banana bread and you're... A little bit of that. It was that. And, and and then you realise, God, I mean, what am I doing? I've been doing this for ages. Now, I hadn't sang in public for a good few years. At I this know. point, I had only been composing and writing. So at some point, everything I was writing was getting sang by me. But it was then going away for another yes. singer. And sometimes like the best singers ever. So it was... I had, I had stopped playing piano in bars because I'm old now. And I just, oh, I couldn't even, I just couldn't work that late and then yeah. get up early and, ha- and function. God, God knows I tried. It's just sensible. That's <laughs> not me old. Yeah, yeah. So, so I had put, I had wrapped that up. I'd moved to Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Was, I was much more sensible. Um, <laughs> they have to be over there. Yeah. I reckon. <laughs> so this, so I was starting to sing these songs and I thought to myself, if when this settles down and when these, when this pandemic kind of issue, when this mm-hmm. goes away, and we're allowed back out again. I'm going to go out and sing these songs. Wow. And and from there on in, I just worried whether that was the right decision. Week in, week out, like a pendulum swing. I said, should I be doing this? Should I get someone else to do this? Oh, maybe I want to do it. I do want to do it. So so that's that's been a pendulum yeah, swing of emotions. Voice. The minute I put that on, I was like, whoa. Like, I don't hear it like it just, that, you see. Um, it just made me stop. Okay, good. I I'll take listen, that. I, I, I do. I need to hear that. You know what I mean. I'll, I will suck that up. Yeah. I understand it on. Oh, I love that boy's voice. For, yeah. Use are the same like in terms oh, of the the feeling that I get when I listen. I think you flattered me immensely there because he's he's mean, got one of my favorite voices. That's it. Made me not that your voices are the same because they're very distinct voices. It just gave me the same feeling. Well, I'd be really inspired by Finn. I think he's he's just a, a beautiful singer. It's such a gorgeous voice, and at some point, you know, I want to write for him mm-hmm. so much. But uh, so, yeah, it's 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 my voice, and I think Thank that that's your voice. That was the correct decision. Well done. Do you think? Well, I went to see a couple of years ago. Do you know Jimmy Webb? He wrote songs like um, Wichita Line Man. Uh, wrote yes. Loads of like Glenn, Glenn Campbell songs, and he's written Willie Nelson. Glenn Campbell ones. No way. Oh, I love Glenn Campbell. Outside Glasgow Central Station. Weirdly. Okay. <laughs> Right. Just, <laughs> you do need a lot of characters around that part of town. Yeah, I, I just think he's good. And as I said, I did grow up with country music in the house. So I love that stuff. That stuff is in my bones. And I don't think the best therapist in the world will ever get it out. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're stuck with that stuff forever. Um, and Jimmy, when Jimmy Webb gets up to sing one of his songs, he, he does not have one of the best voices in the world. He doesn't have a voice like Glenn Campbell or, you know... But the storytelling comes through more yeah. when he sings it. I feel the same about like Rand, when Randy Newman sings one of his own songs, the, the croak and the brokiness and the looseness. That's the, the storytelling is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I think I took a lot of inspiration between those from those kinds of songwriters mm-hmm. who were doing their own songs. Yeah, it's not uh, doing acrobatics or showing no, off. I it's, guess not. It's telling the story. It's, it's storytelling. Yeah, and that's the yeah. way I've tried to do it. I love it. But then I'm always working on my... Like the, the Treasure Island book finishes with um captain flint going pieces of eight pieces of eight pieces of eight that's the last I little bit i don't want bit. to pick a favorite with that one i've listened to that a lot but that's got a good earworm on it that, that, that and people leave the concert i think that's the one mm-hmm. the next day they're singing but they don't really know why they're singing it in a northern irish accent 
and it's like pieces of it, pieces of it, you know. And it's like, I, I can't help it, you know. It's not it's not an authentic uh, Treasure Island accent, but it's the one I've it got, works, you know. It works. <laughs> yeah, and then like so in terms of like the, the novels and the books that you've chosen, because mm. then I, I noticed that Ellie Percy's book Duck Feet, and I I, I mean I don't know Ellie, but. Ellie is a member of Creative Entrepreneurs Club that I'm a community manager for, so right. I've shared and I've not read, admittedly. I've it's read back. It. Um, that's, I saw it it's, and it's come back. And, it's back again. You can get it on Kindle and, and there's a, there's a reprint coming because it was it was like it was like hen's teeth. It was impossible to find. Somebody was just going for it because I was promoting the book quite a lot through CEC kind of thing, and then it was yeah. when you got in touch and I was looking through all the books, I was like. Wow. There's a, there's a lot of, I, when I started this project, I was looking at classics, first of all, like older books, as you say, like Robert Louis Stevenson, Arthur Conan Doyle, um, and, and Lanark, you know, Alistair Gray. But it, quickly, then you start to go, I want to start to look through other lenses of what Scottish writing is. Mm-hmm. And then you think, well, actually, I need to have some Ali Smith. I need to have some something current like some some other points of view yeah. and you start and, and okay, start, start trying to tell it you start mm-hmm. to curate a story yeah. of scottish literature now when i toured book festivals with the show last year i was adding a new song everywhere i went so i have about 40 of these no way oh i've got so many um you'd be mad. you'd be horrified if you saw many of them you'd be like is he okay <laughs> why is he doing this um, and I, I, I did love that obsession. The people would recommend. I I really admire that. That that's this podcast is but that for me like. But it's a preoccupation bordering on an obsession, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But look at the, look at the wonderful stuff that's came from it. Like, it's I'm been just, cool. You know, and I can't imagine like all the interactions and experiences you've had, and you know, obviously you're making that music, but then you're you're getting other musicians involved and to play on the piece and and I'm in front of audiences for the first time in years this that, so normally by now I would have moved on to another project I would have written that put it in the post to, and turned yeah. up for a rehearsal you know yeah. and look and, and totted yeah. I know I just been like, wow that's that's wonderful but but yes. this time I stayed with something and, and that was really uh-huh. a peculiar rhythm to do that but I learned so much but th- that's where coming back to what you're saying about books then it would lead to books I hadn't read and people going you must you must read this or you must do the last line and th- at that point i was starting to look at the last line and go yeah. oh, okay that's pretty good okay i'm gonna read it but then i would read it before i would turn it into but then I, I guess probably that's how a lot of people choose a book to read when they go to a bookshop oh, or a yeah. library they go to the some people will go to the rather than the synopsis in the back page they'll go to the back page i do judge them by their covers i have to <laughs> say yeah. true story <laughs> sucker for a good cover so I think I've got a book. I, hang on, I brought I brought some books today that I did use, right? And nice one. These are um, the lightest ones, right? Because some of them are really heavy, and I didn't want to yes. carry them in my bag. Um, oh, forgot. Had to have some Jackie Kay. Mm-hmm. But but like I I love listening. I've listened to Jackie Kay loads of times reading her poetry. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. But I stayed away from poetry for this show. Right. Okay. I just wanted fiction. I wanted words that were meant to be read mm-hmm. with your inside voice, yeah. not not yeah. to be read out loud. So so then there was something to bring out. But she's got this short story called um, it's from a book, Reality Reality. Okay. And this story's called The Pink House. Uh huh. And it's a there's a young girl and it's only about six pages long and she's um she's heavily pregnant and she's in debt and and there's a sort of sense of peril and jeopardy close the net feels like it's closing in a little mm-hmm. bit on her. But in the last page, she finds a pink house and she goes in and she, she finds a room with a bed and she lies down and she gets some sleep. And it's just this moment of repose, this moment of safety. 
and that's the end of the story. That's all you know. Yeah, but it, it's really haunting. And I, th- I think I just wanted to kind of take take her out of this story and out into the world. But I, I think, think that that's beautiful as well because you're saying like taking the songs out and performing them for audiences. The the two worlds then merge music and books because then you are at book festivals, but then you're getting the music crowd and that's isn't it. it beautiful. Well, that that was the hope, you know, that, that yeah. there would be something. And I, I they have to work if you haven't read the book, and they have to work if you have read the book. Yes, but that's tricky. Um, I didn't want to put anyone off. Gosh, I won't, I'm not a big reader. I won't go to this. Like, mm. there's something to be found there for everybody. I hoped. Um, and the other thing that worked. I would read that first uh-huh. and then I'd sing the song and I would encourage people other if there's other songwriters in or anybody to think about how you would what you would have done with those words where would you what would you have made into a chorus or what mm-hmm. what might you repeat and then I would do mine and I could see some people going oh no not no that's not what I would have done perhaps you know and I love that like that, oh, that was to be encouraged so, so it became a conversation right about voice. songwriting yeah, yeah. of course like um, Monica McGee took one of my poems uh-huh. and and wrote wrote a, a tune, wrote a song. Oh, I think was that yours? Yeah, one. I uh, she she started the project and she took one of mine. Wonderful. And it's like a lullaby. How cool. And uh, oh, it was really cool. Like I couldn't believe she'd done it. I was like actually crying when I watched. It. I was like, oh my god. And like that. Oh, she's very talented. Listening yeah. to it, I was like, it, it seemed absolutely correct. I was like, oh, I never would imagine that could even have been put to music. But now there is. It seems absolutely correct. So the gigs you've done, um, just you and the piano? I have too. I have an amazing band who, who've been able to join me for most of it. Justine Yablonska on cello and Ashley O'Dea on violin. And the, and so it's just piano and, and two string players. Beautiful. There was something when I started this, I suppose I could have done it solo, but I just to walk on stage with a little band just gave, gave me the confidence to be able to do this. And singing over the top of strings, I mean, it's like swimming or something, or it's like flying. It's so, you know, you've got this sort of bed... Underneath, oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, being in the room this week with the orchestra, it does something, doesn't it? Like, oh, I, like, the air's buzzing was, with it. I was, I was struggling to like, yeah, you know, keep the tears back. Like, it's beautiful. It's so special. I, I, I just really admire you, like, in doing this project. I mean, it's absolutely stunning what you've created. Thank you. I, I do. It's really nice to hear that because I, I don't. My relationship with my own work, you know, is a real swing back and forth. Was it good? You know, what would it? And I, I think I, everything I do, I, I, I try to. Really, I'm trying to learn something to do the next piece, you know. And, and so there's always, so there's always a momentum that you hope. Mm. So it does mean you look back and stuff you've done, and you're like, oh, okay, next. I'm gonna try and beat <laughs> no, that. I, I said, stupid way to work, and really. Back, and that's no. what I like about this podcast. And a lot of people said that it's quite cathartic to sit down. And I know you said you've you've talked a lot about it and you've had the opportunity to, but I think it's nice for people to like stop and pause and go, oh, I did do that thing. Yeah. Do you mean get yourself a pat in the back, like? No, absolutely. absolutely, and I'm still doing it. I think that's that's the key, isn't it? You're still still here. Ah. There was some terrible, really scary stats this week that came out. The Musicians Union came out, and, and um, I think there was there was some stats that came out about freelance and opera singers and things that, that I just I've just seen on social media, and it's really scary and insecure, and it's um, low low paid at the minute, and yeah. and and it's just, it's just like anybody doing this stuff deserves a medal. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you it's have to really, be doing it because you really love it. You have there has yeah, to be yeah, a love, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 and not and not in a way that can cross over into oh, I love it. It defines me, which can almost get toxic sometimes That's as well. So true, so it's, true. It's just really it's tricky. It's about your expectations as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, but yeah, no, there has to be a real 
Yeah. Needing like because we're both it's both really difficult and we're really lucky. Do you know? It's the, isn't it? That's the parallel double think of it. Yeah. Yeah, like and my parents will say that to me all the time. Like when I'll be talking about something that happened to work or I met this person, there, and he always says to me like, "You're dead lucky, Lisa." Aye. And I'm like, I know, I genuinely do nice know, it. but also I I think. If, if there's anybody listening who, who feels like that, make mm. sure you tell artists, because we do get a lot out of that now and again. That, re- that really gets us through the hard week. Somebody saying, well, you know what? You're lucky, and I wish I'd done it. And yeah. I don't... T- when I'm at sort of corporate events and, and somebody somebody who's high up in banking says, oh, I wish I'd been a musician. I'm like, do you, mate? Yeah. Ah, sure thing. <laughs> Off you go in your rocket car. Yeah. <laughs> 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 right. Hi. Did you? Hi. <laughs> And so where are you in the journey now? Because you're saying you've got like 40 of these like... And I can't got loads, yeah. So obviously you had the album ready, but you were still writing at that point then? And still, still right. I had, I had done a full... 2022 was the year of stories in mm-hmm. Scotland. So I had I had done, what, maybe 26 book festivals and libraries and stuff. So I had added... And I have also... One of the songs on the album was a commission by a Gaelic singer-songwriter called Deidre Graham. Mm-hmm. And she took a single page of a, of a Gaelic book Please don't make me pronounce it. I, I just can't. Listen. And, and wrote this beautiful song, and I, I arranged that. But that's Deidre's song. That's it. Halfway in the middle of the album. Yes. Beautiful. And another song that I was able to commission last year was a um the last page of Confessions of a Justified Sinner. And Laurie Watson, a friend of mine, a folk singer, beautiful singer songwriter, wrote that one. So there was a there's a couple of there was a couple nice. of cameos from other Love people, that. and then I was just adding to the collection. And I, I've done lots of I've done a lot of classics like Great Expectations and The Great Gatsby and Frankenstein. You know, I I, I tried out loads and loads of these. Can... It was fun. Yeah. But right now I have to put it away for a little bit. I'm working on a on a new musical at the minute, and I just gotta go. Yeah. I, you have to make space sometimes in your head. Totally. To go, I better just take these books out of my head just now yeah. and, and focus on something. Come back with a fresh perspective. Yeah. Like sometimes if you're looking at something too long and you're too close to it, you can't. Yeah. What's the longest you've ever done a show, a single show? But worked on a show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of once it starts performing, it would it usually be a couple uh, of weeks. Yeah, yeah, not long. I have never done like a massive, I, massive run, like a couple of weeks. I'm, I, um, I don't know how those. But you know, when you go off and you do something that's, you go to West End, you do something every night for, two, yeah, for eighteen yeah. months or something. That must be really hard. Yeah. It must become yeah. a different job at that stage, you know, where it's yeah. all muscle memory and. Of course. Yeah, I think that's it can be. Yeah, most of the stuff I work on, and as a performer, I didn't go down that route at all. Like I didn't perform in theatre. I it's been it was I kind of made my own thing. I had a dance troupe, yeah. like the gig for years. So every gig was different, you know, and it was like and changed in cupboards and. I think that's the way I've always done. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> all sorts. I mean, many adventures, brilliant. But um, see, when you do turn up now at a theatre and it's got like a green room or a dressing room, you're like, oh, my house swish. Okay, yeah. I know, totally. We did, uh, so I had a 1940s, 50s inspired dance troupe. Uh-huh. So uh, we did a lot. What were they called? The Kennedy Cupcakes. Oh, but you talked with your sister about yeah. that last week and I was like, that's a good name. So we did lots of different types of events, a lot of military events because we did the whole kind of 1940s, you know, army looking, whatever. But um, we did Belladrum Festival uh-huh. and I'd never really been to a festival. Anyway, we did that in a, I remember they gave us a rider. And we were oh, like, ah, well, we've we arrived. Did, well, we've we arrived. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we're still in like a boat cabin. Uh huh. <laughs> take it, take we it. Yeah, it. yeah. We we're like, this is the best day ever. It was crisps. Yeah. <laughs> and of ginger. And we we're like, yes. I suppose then you need to start looking at how your rider improves over the years as well before you're like, oh, finally. I mean, to be fair, I don't think I've had a rider since. I mean, <laughs> <there's, there's laughs> Tenants has finally crept into the rider. I've, I've really got somewhere. 
<laughs> so what are you working on now? And can you tell um, us about it? <laughs> yeah, there's there's two projects at the minute. Mm-hmm. Well, one is um, a lovely project called Breath Cycle, which I do at Scottish Opera, right? So I've been I'm the sort of creative director of that, and it's based on a project we did there ten years ago, where we went in to Gartneyville Hospital and we worked with people with cystic fibrosis. We were teaching them singing. Oh. trying to find connections between singing technique and physio and trying to and then writing songs with participants amazing to get them to sing together so that was a beautiful little pilot project 10 years ago and and we did it and it was lovely and we talked about it and we made some nice songs but it sort of went away a little bit um mm-hmm. and there was a couple of reasons for that i think that there was a, a really nasty bug going around the the cystic fibrosis community just after that which made mm-hmm. which made yeah. work very very difficult and then a sort of miracle a miracle cure drug came along a few years after that which has completely transformed that's wow. in, in a wonderful way i mean so 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 life expectancy has shot up and life quality has shot up so a, a remarkable that's, thing that's so encouraging that's and brilliant. A brilliant because it was a very vulnerable group of people i was working with back then yeah. and it was really tricky yeah. but when 2020 came scottish opera were like should we come in and have a chat about what's happening with mm-hmm. long COVID and, and this sort of respiratory illness and we were yeah. people with cystic fibrosis weren't allowed in the same room as one another yeah, same, that was yeah. always the thing and that was something that had fascinated us back then and and suddenly that was the case for everybody in the uk we just weren't like so there were too many um things chiming yeah. for us to ignore yeah, it so yeah, in 2021 we started an online course again called breath cycle where we we take in groups of participants and, and it's all online and they can do singing lessons with our beautiful vocal coaches for a few weeks and then martin o'connor and i do you know martin yeah. writer and poet yeah. and, and a fabulous guy we run a songwriting session together mm. so the participants write lyrics awesome we sit at the piano once again i'm getting wonderful words that yeah, I sit at the yeah. piano and I try and transform those and the, and those go back and some and the participants all some of them write melodies some of them write things so we're we're creating I guess a big songbook of about long COVID it's called the Long COVID Composer Songbook and that's wow. on the Scottish Opera website and you can go and listen we've had some really nice um, cover versions up there as well I'm trying to think and um, a couple of the boys from the band from Deacon Blue did one the Bluebells did one for us um, Admiral Fallow Louis did one um. Darren and Francis from River City did a duet recently. So there's been lots of nice, nice. So we're, we're slowly growing this collection of songs that I think sort of tells the story mm-hmm. of now in Scotland. Wow. Seen through the perspective. Oh, it's wonderful. It really is wonderful. Last year, are you okay? Yeah. Take a sip of tea. Sip of tea. Last year, the, the Scottish government gave us funding really good funding but that funding came from health and well-being uh-huh. rather than cultural and that's the first time that's ever happened that's a bit of a policy shift this this sort of understanding that singing and these kinds of workshops yeah. are actually for everybody's health for, for well-being and for that kind of co- you know i love that i yeah. mean that's the thing about like i think for a lot of people who have not been directly affected by covid or they've had mm-hmm. it but it's not had a, a massive impact the, you know this long COVID thing, like it's just alien to them. They don't, you know, don't understand it. But for some people, it's a real. It does feel invisible at the minute. It's not reality. talked about very much. Yeah. I think there's like almost 190,000 people living in Scotland That's with long COVID really. at the minute. Yeah. Just yeah, it must feel for some people like because the rest of the world is just cracking on. Do you know what I mean? That, that the, 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 the people, about almost the people like 
there's also the, the kind of people who come to these sessions there's a sense that they want to get better and, and, and they mm-hmm. want they want a sense of community they're feeling very isolated so this is an opportunity to build a kind of cohort where they can support one another but also so many of them are really active like marathon runners like like yeah. Monroe baggers you know like those yeah. kinds of yeah. real active lives and, and this has just changed everything for them imagine the frustration you know it's in, it is it's really it's frustrating and slow frustrating. and steady yeah. but they are the other thing is there's a, there's a selfish quality there's a the, the creative part of me is like I do want good material though yeah you know yeah, and they're giving course. me the the words the, the lyrics are beautiful yeah. like really beautiful really transformative really um, moving at times so so I'm yeah. getting the, this gift of, of really good words again, Worse. which I can the, respond you know, to the skate yeah ism of that do you mean for, for totally. everybody involved do you mean just take i mean that's the joy of what we do is like take you out of your life through yeah, yeah. do you know what i mean totally and just building connections with people that there's nothing better like the amount of conversations that i've had like over this table and even online like you you just get to like you, all the kind of small talk goes at the windy do you know what I mean and it's just getting to the heart of like what makes people tick yeah which i get energy of listening to those kinds of conversations mm, like I, they charge me up they don't tear me out yeah yeah of course so you're working on that and what else are you doing there's a i we made oliver emmanuel and i made the 306 trilogy together and mm-hmm. during around about that time now that's going back we worked on that piece for about five years until 2018 but during that time ollie had a radio play called a history of paper that, mm-hmm. that, that i thought was just beautiful really beautiful and so we'd always said we want to make that into a musical okay and when we had time we would sit down and do that and so pre-lockdown we had done a little bit of a workshop and we had we had developed it at, up at dundee rep we'd done a week we'd taken it down to the beam conference just a few songs so it was slowly coming together but it sort of was put in ice by covid so yeah, we're yeah, back yeah. now and then we're we're bringing that hopefully to dundee rep next year oh. and that's a two-header boy and a girl mm-hmm. and a piano basically something quite straightforward but like a beautiful i think it's about a 70 minute music theater show okay. I've got. That's exciting. I'm about six songs in. Are you? Yeah, and the script's there. The script's great. Yeah. How <laughs> cool. Oh, it's fab. It's fab. And I'm back, and I'm back at the piano, excited and and making yeah, a new yeah. thing. And I say, what was that book idea? Oh, Do you know that? What? <laughs> I, I'm terrible though. Like what? The one idea flies out, the new one flies in. Listen. I know, but that's the way it is, isn't it? Of course. Yeah, and I'm so charged you, by it. Specifically for you, that you know that album is out there and ex- existing and and it's yeah. in people's lives and they're being touched by it and people are discovering it. You know, like That's listen lovely. to this podcast today. Somebody's going to discover. I hope so. Please go and have a listen. And I'm, I'm dead. I am. You know, I, I kind of swither with, with confidence sometimes about how to talk, but I'm dead proud of it. I am dead proud of it. Uh, and yeah. I, and I will come back to it at some point. There's talk maybe of an Irish volume, <gasps> and I wanted, I'd like to share it further afield as well, and share this kind of like collection of of, of Scottish books and, and writers and stuff further afield. So, so I will come back to it for for now. It's time to write something else. You know, I love it. I love it, and that's it. And you know, whatever you go on to do next, it, everything just talks. They all talk to each other. They do. Even realize they do. it. Do you know what I mean like? I've got, weirdly, I I didn't record anything for many many years. I would just make you'd make a live show and you'd move on. That's just that's what theatre's like, isn't it? You do your show, you do your best work. Totally. Sometimes even in opera, you might spend two years and it's done in a week, and so off you go. Oh, it's a Russia, bit mad. Like, everything's like. You know, I'm thinking about that bit of red fabric that I had last week in Oklahoma. Like, it was like everything. It really it matters. Fun. But it, it's true. It re, in the You do the best you can with the time you have, Connect. with the people you have, with the budget mm. you have, and then you move on and you do another yeah. show. And that's always been the rhythm. But I have, over the last few years, and I think around about 2020, there was a, I, I wanted to record, get some recording. So, so National Theatre Scotland recorded 
an album of 306 music, mm-hmm. which is a sort of musical theatre work. And over in Toronto, Tapestry Opera recorded one of my operas. Wow. And then I have a songwriting album up now too. And it's I love that, that that's the three little representative things. Of, and, that, and those are the three, you know, genres or art forms that I've been working mm-hmm. in all my life and it's nice to have that there that there's a couple of artifacts going up there too but it did nothing you know it doesn't always get recorded it's funny isn't it some of the the greatest music i hear i hear in theaters yes. and it's gone at the end of the run and you think oh that was that's beautiful. beautiful people like mj and and and, and mm-hmm. finn's work and, and yeah. you, you see something live and then you can't get it anywhere else and it's it's wonderful it's so fleeting but it's so yeah, unfair yeah i know totally that's the thing uh-huh yeah uh, do you consider just just listening to you know the things like you've achieved you're still achieving like do you consider yourself to be an ambitious person um i think once i get my teeth into something yeah my, i like i will see it through and i, like, I'm determined with, and they, i have preoccupations that come back that, mm-hmm. that, that that haunt all the work i make but i never quite know what to be ambitious for do you know what i mean it's a sort of an abstract hunger, like to, yeah. to want to make things. Yeah, but there's no like. I think you're, if you're you say like five-year plan, kind of I thing, don't have a five-year plan. Person. No. Yeah, you just go with your gut and you just go towards things that. I think so. That's you. Yeah, I think I just I, I think about the idea and then I'm like, how can I get this made or what what who do I want to work with to do this? Yeah, I've never thought I, I want to get it. What would what would you want? I'm just, I can't even. It's not awful. I can't even articulate a thing. But like. No. Maybe you think, oh, I want to get something in in Covent Garden. I want to get something at the Opera House. And you could you could go where right, I'm going to spend five years, mm-hmm. the next eight years of my life, I'm going to try and get a piece of work on the main stage mm-hmm. at Glyndebourne Opera House or something like that. Okay. And you could probably, if you really really mm-hmm. care and you really want that, I think you could get I, you could get yeah. it if you mm-hmm. just kept okay. pushing and kept yeah. working. But those are not That's always nice. the highlights of my career even yeah, though those yeah. moments the validation you get when, when you write something for like the the, the bbc symphony orchestra like the scottish symphony orchestra the validation of, of that commission is is a lot you feel um oh this is wonderful mm-hmm. i've been noticed and i but but it's that's not the it's wonderful when you walk course, into a room yeah. and hear your music played by an orchestra it's like you've, you've taken off and you're floating through the skits but it's not the most satisfying thing i've ever done the most satisfying work i make is when i get my friends that I work with, who I've worked with for years, and we get in a room and we make a thing, and and everyone's throwing, you yeah. know, yeah, hundred miles an hour at it. it, like you know, that's isn't that the best bit? Of course, and those are the days. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it? Always find your people, like uh-huh. back to like the the yeah. music department at school. You find your people and, yes. and you make stuff with them. So true. That's satisfying. Like, and that sustains you. Like the last week, you know, and the disappointment of Oklahoma not getting on the stage. I've loved the process. Yeah. Working with those people in that room. Isn't that sort of, and if the process isn't fun, do something else. Like Correct. So, because Correct. That's the thing, you know, sometimes you might get a commission for to, for like a, a an orchestra thing and you'll go and you'll have a couple of rehearsals and then it'll mm. happen and then you're back out the door that night and you're going okay. home and you're like, I, that wasn't a lot, there wasn't enough, I didn't get my teeth into that. So yes. it's, it's a process every time and, and you want mm. to get the chance to change things, to, the chance to build things and the chance to like, bounce off other people that, yeah. that's so much more exciting i love it i'm just so excited to see what you got to next like i think it's i can't imagine like what there's left to do because you're just what, done what so, damn do? so much in, like well what am i yeah i think i'm looking forward to history paper i've been really excited mm. with this show for years uh, i love ollie thing. very very much and we have a shorthand now um i i did an opera a couple of years ago 2022 with johnny mcknight 
And I've done you've, I've done two operas with Johnny. Actual diamond, like. Have you? You've talked to you've interviewed so him. So we, we yeah we went to Saltcoats Town Hall, um so he's from that area. I mean literally I asked him one question and, and that was him away. I was like you didn't need me. Yeah, but I, I love <laughs> it. I love gem. him so much, and I often say to Johnny like I wish I'd never met you because I just want to be with you all the time. <laughs> That's so funny. People, some people just do that for you, like they're just hundred percent. And so I, I am determined that you know I'll think of another idea to get just a chance to work with Johnny and you get some time in the re- rehearsal room with him yeah because he's so busy these people are just yeah uh-huh. what a privilege like and that's I mean this was the best idea that I had starting this podcast because I get you to have people, people like, like that. myself no, I around I, my table some like, of these people are this so chat, amazing I mean like yeah. and you know I just I, good people doing good like good work like making stuff and putting it in the world the podcast is also wonderful wonderful for us too like it really the, the conversation about the arts it, like it's not art isn't anything without conversation that's so true it's like i i think now that i live in edinburgh i, I do see the fringe a lot now like i go in and yeah. to the town and I, I i moan about it sometimes and it, it, it can be very disruptive and I it's, can imagine. there's a lot of things about it are unsustainable and stuff but you mm. go into a cafe and everybody in the cafe is talking about a show they've just seen yeah. what they're gonna see next like it's just for a couple of weeks you get to see what a world is like where everybody's talking about, buzzing about it. live shows yeah. and, and theatre and comedy and it's Fair. it's fabulous I'd love to live in a world like that all the time that must be what people who like football get uh, every weekend yeah, do you know so I'm so jealous of them <laughs> It's so true. That's so true. Yeah, what what a wonderful world mm. to be part of. It really is. Um, but the conversation is is the best bit for for everybody. I think. You, yeah, it's wonderful. So this like, this podcast is that. I, like. I massively appreciate like you coming in and giving your time and energy to it. Like this is just my passion project, and I'm just uh, so inspired by what you've done. And I love that body of work. Like I love that album. It's just it's oh, special. Thank you. thank you so much. It's really special, and uh, I hope to hear it live. One day I need to come to an event when you're out and about again. Please do. We've got a wee secret gig <gasps> oh. coming up in Glasgow at mm-hmm. the very end of the year, so I'll okay, keep you posted. Okay. Thanks, pal. See, I'm in with... <laughs> you're in the clan now. I get to know the secrets. <laughs> we, we guessed it. We guessed it. Come on. You're right. <laughs> Loving it. <laughs> um, before I uh, relieve you from the Broadway of Cave, right, um, I do the thing called the hingamajigs, which are just like random questions that mm-hmm. I like to ask my guests, right? So I've got a list of like... 70 of them, but I'll just pluck a few for you if that's all right. Yeah, this is where it's going to go strange it's, for me. It's, it's just an answer today. We'll not ah, yeah. to it, right? So, um, if you were a fly in the wall right. in any room at any time, oh, and anybody's in that room and anything's happening, where would you want to be? You see, my mind has drawn a complete blank. And when I listen to these things, I'm usually pretty sharp. Going like, I know what I would say. I know what I would say. I don't have a clue what I would say. That's why I ask the questions. I Did you call this the, the hingy majigs? Hing, hingy hingy right. majigs. I suppose I would have said thingy majigs at home, but hingy makes sense. Yeah, it's I, good. I'm, see, I'm just stalling. I'm just stalling. Flying the wall in a room. I mean, it, it doesn't need to be like a big monumental moment in history. It could literally just be like somebody you know was having a conversation. You're like, I want to know what they said. Or maybe it's... Oh, I don't think I can handle that because that, really... that would go too dark for me too quickly. Okay. Like, <laughs> I mean, if they did mention me and they were horrible, I'd be like, oh God, I can't take it. If they didn't mention me, I'd be like, why, why aren't they even just, you know... Yeah, true. Why, I hear what you're I saying, think yeah. it would be... I've always, always thought a bank robbery would be a very exciting thing to Ooh. do. Very, I, That adrenaline rush must be exciting. So I think I would like a fly on the wall. Banks getting locked up. Comfort, you know, the... The, the alarm's being set, I'm in there, and I'm just going to do a really furtive middle-of-the-night bank robbery. Is that okay? Is that, I mean... 
I, Am I going to go on some list now as a potential crim? No, it's all hype. It's not happening. It's just a, it's just, it's just a thought. It's just a fly in a wall. You're not you. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. That is not what I thought you were going to say. Okay, maybe I should. Probably I, not what you thought you were going to say. I probably Mikhail. not. I mean, I'm going to regret. Let I'm going to get home. Lynn's going to be like, Why did you, say you that? what? You what? Remember, I can edit this out. So try, <laughs> so try, no, it's good. <laughs> like I like a wee bit of dark side coming out. That's good. Um, uh, if you could only, oh, this could be a pure horrible one to answer. Which right. I'm asking you anyway. Um, you've got no. I, I, I've, no compassion. I know it's terrible. Uh, maybe you've got an answer. Who knows? Um, if you could only hear one song ever again. What song would it be? Oh, I know that that is so hard, isn't it? And I think as soon as I pick one, I'll weep for the other songs. Just today. Today. Um, we've talked about like Randy Newman and Jimmy Webb and people like that, so they're in my, they're at the front of my head just now. So it's really hard to step past something like that. Um, and anything would be an escape from the thousand and one nursery rooms. Me and my toddler sang this morning, which are also (laughs) crammed in my front lobe at the minute. So I think. Maybe I will go Jimmy Webb and I'll just, I'll take, um, by the time I get to Phoenix, which is a beautiful, beautiful country song by Jimmy Ooh, Webb, you should check that out. I'm going to check that out. Thanks for that one. Um, okay, so you've lived in Scotland a long time now. Longer in Scotland than in Ireland, yeah. That blows my mind. It's weird. Yeah, that's... Still got that beautiful accent, that's great. Not when I go home, they're, they're quite disgruntled. They're like, wait, <laughs> I'll go back to our man. They're like, hey, who do you think you are changing? <laughs> do you know what I mean? The, the, the affront that I put in. I, I should have get that too. Like um, I would feel the same. So I don't. I don't. I, don't, I can't fault them for it. You know. Um, I just wonder what is your because because it's called the Brown the Brave and I love words. I love language. Uh, what's your favourite Scots word or phrase? Oh, there's, there, there are tons over here. I I mean. There are wor- there are place names in Scotland that mm-hmm. tickle me every time I hear them, like Octomochty. Yes. It's like, come on, really? That's <laughs> so that. fabulous, Octomochty. <laughs> so I always watch out for those kinds of places on on signposts. I'm just delighted, you know, continually delighted by those places. Um, it's the 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 sarcastic ones, like Did you? Uh, that 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 knocks me out every time. That's, you know, so that's like, I get that. That makes me laugh every and I love doing it. And I have to, you know, it flips me into a Scottish accent when I say it doesn't work any other way. So, yeah, that'll do it for me. That's a good one. Yeah, there's a bit of that, that healthy cynicism, you know, yeah. in it. I love it. It's laced. <laughs> well, listen, yeah, I can't thank you enough. No, like, thank you. For, for joining the Broad Brave clan. And, um, yeah, just wish you more joy. Oh, right back at you. Right back at you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braw and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.